good morning. We're kind of a small group today. Yes, we are. But that's okay. Because we were talking about, uh, we knew it was going to be a little bit smaller group today. And uh, Drew said, that's okay. The Lord still shows up. And that is true. And that's why we're here today. Um, this is going to be a different service than what you have typically seen. If you're visiting with us today, you're welcome to be here. And we appreciate you being here. It's, um, um, there's going to be a lot of older songs, a lot of things that we don't typically hear in church anymore, and uh, kind of a, a tradition building or tradition reminder type uh, service. So we're going to invite you to go ahead and keep your seats, just get yourselves comfortable, sing along with us if you want to, and uh, let's start out with a word of prayer, shall we? <clears throat> Heavenly Father, you are good. And although we may be few in number today, Lord, we know that you are constant. You were God yesterday, you're God today, and you will be God tomorrow. And we thank you, God, for your strength and, and for the fact that you're God. We just ask, Lord, that you would bless us with your presence today. We pray, Lord, that what we do and say here today is pleasing in your sight. And Lord, that we're not here to we're not here to pat each other on the back and say, "Wow, you did really great." We're here to worship you, Lord. Amen. So I just pray, Father, that we would worship you in spirit and in truth today. Be strong among us, Holy Spirit, and have your way with us. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Our friend, isn't he? 
Folks, if you stand up for all of the music, you will be there until 12.30 today. So please sit down, get comfortable. If you want to stand up and sing, you are welcome to stand up and sing. You can do that. No, 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 no. That's right. You are welcome to stand up and sing and dance or whatever you would like to do. We're just letting you know that this is a little different feel today. So, um, This is a good day. This is the day that the Lord has made. And this is a good day for us to get together. We don't have, now don't tell Pastor Mike this, but we don't have a sermon today. But this is the way, kind of what we're looking at is this is the way that church was when the first church got together. They got together to encourage each other, and this is a good day for that. We're going to have some testimony later in the service that I believe is is going to encourage us in our faith. And this is a good day to praise the Lord. So if, if there's something here that you know and you want to sing along to or you want to learn, jump in and learn that and praise God. Some glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away to open our God's celestial shore. Hello. 
Does anybody have anything they'd like to share real quick? We'll bring in the microphone. Again, if you want to sit down, sit down, make yourselves at home. Anybody that has anything they want to share, maybe think about that. We're going to have some testimony in a little while from, uh, from Kim Cox, but if there's something that you would like to share also, again, we're here to, to encourage each other in our faith. So if there's something that God has blessed you with this week or recently, keep that in mind and, and uh, be prepared to share, okay? We'll give you another opportunity. I'm gonna, I want to read a little something to you about the song Sweet By and By. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. That's from John 14, 2. In 1968, a pharmacist named Sanford Fillmore Bennett, 31, was filling prescriptions and handling sales at his apothecary. His friend, Joseph, entered the store, and Joseph was a local musician, vocalist, violinist, an amateur composer who suffered from periods of depression. And the two men had occasionally collaborated on hymns and songs, Sanford writing the words and Joseph the music. And on this particular day, Joseph was unusually blue, and looking up, Sanford asked, What's the matter now? It's no matter, Joseph replied. It'll be all right by and by. An idea for a hymn hit Sanford like a flash of sunlight, and sitting at his desk, he began writing as fast as he could. The words came almost instantly. Two customers entered the dark store, but no one even waited on him. They just ignored him because he was too busy writing down the words. Finally, Sanford rose and joined the group and handed a sheet of paper to his friend. He said, here is your prescription, Joe. He said, I hope it works. And Webster read the words aloud. There's a land that is fairer than day, and by faith we can see it afar. For the Father waits over the way to prepare us a dwelling place there. In the sweet by and by, we shall meet on that beautiful shore. In the sweet by and by, we shall meet on that beautiful shore. That's where the song came from. Oh, hello there. <laughs> All right. Blood of the Lamb, are your garments spotless, highly white? 
relate to being a wretch before the Lord saved you? Does anybody have something good about the Lord they want to share right here? Just give us a short little testimony. 
praise the Lord, because I was a wretch. I didn't know the Lord Jesus Christ. I had a lot of people praying for me. I have a wonderful, wonderful wife that done a lot of quirky things when I was away from God and didn't know him. And I love her dearly, because if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't be here today. But I remember that day in my basement <coughs> that I threw myself down on the floor. Excuse this language, but I said, Lord, what in the H do you want me to do now? And when I confessed him as my Lord and Savior that day, he started to raise me up. And a lot of different things have happened through my life that has happened that the Lord has healed me of different things. But I praise him that he gives me that opportunity to share his word and his grace with people because that's a promise I made to him that I would do that for the rest of my days. And there's been a couple of times that I have not done that. And he's put me back. And I said, Lord, why? And he said, Lawrence, you've made me those promises. So he's given me that chance again to continue. And I praise God for everything that he's done in our lives. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. We'll be married 55 years in June because of the Lord. But I come up, I was going to say this testimony before Lawrence said his. He said, I... My one son calls almost every day, and probably five out of the seven days a week, and we pray together. And uh, he prays for me, and I pray for him, and it's a wonderful thing to have that relationship with, with your son. But what I wanted to thank the Lord for this morning was that the other day when he was praying, he said, Oh, thank you, Father, for the wonderful wife that I have. And I, I, if you have sons at all that are as old as my sons are that it's such a blessing to know that they have a uh, they're so happy with their wife and because of the lord that's why that is why because they both decided to put god first in their life and i we're so appreciative of that that we can stand here before you this morning and give our god the praise and the glory for bringing us through many 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 things and that We've decided to follow Jesus, and he makes a difference in your life, and you have to leave the other behind. But, boy, when your children follow the Lord and they're thankful for their mates, that is a real blessing for a mom and also for a dad. Amen. Amen. Again, if you got something that you'd like to share, we're going to give you another opportunity. It is about um, praising God. It is about yeah. recognizing the good things that he's put into our lives. And speaking of a good thing, here's Larry Bogue. <laughs> okay, now, now before we do, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you a little bit about the song Amazing Grace. I find these little history facts very interesting. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, Ephesians 1.7. It's hard to shake off a mother's influence, and John Newton's earliest memories were of his godly mother, who despite fragile health, devoted herself to nurturing his soul. At her knee, he memorized Bible passages and hymns. 
And though she died when he was about seven, he later recalled her tearful prayers for him. After her death, John alternated between boarding school and the high seas, wanting to live a good life, but nonetheless falling deeper and deeper into sin. The next several years, he saw slow, halting spiritual growth, but in the end, he became one of the most powerful evangelical preachers in British history, a powerful foe of slavery and the author of hundreds of hymns. Now, here's something you may not know about his most famous hymn. Amazing Grace was originally supposed to be called, are you ready? Faith's Review and Expectation. Am I glad it was not called that? <laughs> that doesn't rhyme or no. have a real... <laughs> does not work at all, does it? No. <laughs> it is based on Newton's study of 1 Chronicles 17, 16 through 17. King David said, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me this far? And yet you have also spoken of your servant's house for a great while to come and have regarded me according to the rank of a man of high degree. All right. Reading how I love to proclaim it, reading by the blood of the Lamb, reading in His infinite mercy, His child and forever I am. Reading.
morning, I've asked um, Kim Cox to come and share her testimony with us. I, I've come to church here for a while now, and um, I got to thinking about it the other day, and it's been 10 years. I can't believe it. How did that happen? Um, so anyway, I've always wondered, you know, there's been a core group of people that have gone here since I've been going to church here, and I've, I've always wondered, have you guys always gone to church, or was there something that led you here? Um, and... So I'm going to share my story today, and maybe that'll inspire you guys to share your stories. Um, I was baptized Presbyterian at a little church in Bayshore years ago, and we went to church in, at the Trinity Missionary Church in Batoski um, for, I don't know, up until I was probably in my teenage years. And I got to the point where, I don't know, I didn't think it was cool to go to church anymore. And I want to be with my friends. And so eventually I just stopped going. And I think my mom, she gave up on us kids and decided that she just didn't want to try it anymore and have to push, pull, or drag us to go. So we, we stopped going. And uh, when I was 15, I discovered alcohol. And um, it took me to a lot of places that I probably did not want to go. And and I got in trouble more than once and I would always say those foxhole prayers you know the prayers of God please get me out of this one and I promise you I will blah 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 whatever never even really intending I just wanted to get out of where I was and I can remember um, sitting in a jail cell January 11th, 1997, saying a prayer. And I just, it was a simple little prayer, and I just said, God, please help me. And he has. And I really believe that. I haven't had a desire to drink since then. Uh, and I really believe that it's only by the grace of God that I stand before you guys today because I went to a lot of places that I never, I really should not be here. Um, and um, that's really pretty humbling to me, actually. I just can't believe it. But um, he's really blessed me since then, before then. He, he has blessed me before I even realized it, before I even knew it. And um, I just can't believe it. You know, I just can't believe it. Um, because I always, he was always there for me, but I was not always there for him. And, um, and I was not always, I did not always have my eyes to, to God um, and to what was the best thing for me um, for a long time. And, um, but, uh, you know, I just can't believe so many things have happened. And I know a lot of times Pastor Mike will say, you know, how has God blessed your life today? Or what's going on in your life today? And nobody will say anything. And I, and I think of all the blessings that have come into my life ever since I've let God into my life again, that I lose count. <laughs> I can't, you know, I just can't believe it. Um, just recently, God has blessed my life. Um, last year, September 9th, I was given um, what I like to call for my former employer an opportunity for growth. And I, um, <laughs> you can read through the the read through the lines, I guess, or whatever, read between the lines, yeah. Um, 
And you know what? I had a plan. I was like, oh, perfect. I know what I'm. Go- I know what I'm going to do. And um, so I had a plan. And before I even got certified to be a reflexologist, I had a place to work. I thought, great. This is going to be perfect. Um, and I can remember going through all of that. I had to, you know, go to school and jumping through the hoops, doing what I had to do. Um, had to borrow vehicles to get there sometimes because my vehicle wasn't was giving me fits. And um, got my certification. And you know, it's interesting how how God will work in our lives if we really let Him. And I. Um, had this place that I was going to work and my mother-in-law and I had worked on these drapes well, I, my mother-in-law worked on the drapes, honestly, I, I was just there <laughs> I, but she, for hours and I, I went over there by myself and I hung up these drapes in this place that I was going to work because I'm a lot like my dad and if I tell somebody I'm going to do something I'm going to do it you know, and I'm just going to do whatever I can to make it happen. And I was had been a little discouraged before that, and I hung these drapes up, and I just stood there, and I looked at the other things that were promised to be gone that weren't, and the other things that had to be done with this room that I was not able to do. And I just stopped, and I just said, God, please help me. I don't know where I'm supposed to go, what I'm supposed to do, what's supposed to happen. Please reveal it to me where I'm supposed to go because I don't know. And so I left that gym being discouraged like I had done for the last couple of weeks. And um, New Year's Day, Fred and I went to um, a neighbor's and had some chili. And um, I met the girl that I'm going to be working with. And I just think that that happened, you know, and that but I had to ask. I had to ask. I had to quit. And I, I had done that in the past. I had to ask God for help. And then I would be busy doing what I needed to do, you know, and I'm I'm sure that God's just up there laughing, going, okay, you know, one of these days this girl's going to get it. But um, you know, it's been an interesting journey for me, and it just continues. You know, if I'm really open to what's really going on in my life, um, there is so many miracles. So that's just the beginning of my story, and that's where, where I'm at now, what's going on. But um, I just had to share that with you guys because that, that to me is telling me that the Lord is working in my life. <clears throat> but I guess really if you get anything out of what I said today, it's just that you have to ask. You have to ask for help to be able to receive it, you know. And, um, you know, for a long time I, I didn't ask. I just figured I could just do it myself because I'm, I'm from the if it's to be, it's up to me club. <laughs> and I've realized that I can't do that anymore. It's, it's not up to me. It's up to God. And I've got to give that up to him every day, um, everything that I'm dealing with. So um, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. Um, that's where I'm at right right now today. I'm sure that more will be revealed. But how did I to this church? Um, actually, Fred brought me. We were we were dating. Um, 
Yeah. Good job, Fred. <laughs> yep, we were dating years ago. Yep, and I can remember I, we were actually used to sit over there on that side of the thing. The chairs were set up differently. Huh? No, no, with Fred. <laughs> I sat with Fred. All of us we used to sit over there, but now we're over here for some reason. But That's actually against church rules. You need to move back over here. We, okay. I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. For some reason, everybody likes that side. I don't know what the deal is. I mean, if you can see, we look like we're, you know, from up here, you, we're tilted. It's kind of <laughs> lopsided. <laughs> thank Fred you, Kim. Me. Yep, he did. Yeah, so thanks, takes, Fred. takes a lot of courage to stand up in front of folks and tell them where you're at, but uh, that, that's a good thing. Thank you for sharing. So we all blame Fred. <laughs> I mean, I mean, thank Fred. We thank Fred. It's a good thing. Thank you, Kim, for, uh, for being honest. I'll tell you what. Everybody in here has got a story. Everybody in here has things that uh, they are less than proud of. I don't care if you're that big or if you're as old as Lawrence. Well, nobody's as old as Lawrence, but... Um, but God is good all the time. And, you know, it's interesting. I, I was thinking, Kim, when you were, when you were sharing, um, I didn't know some things about you that I know now, and I still like you. Um, but there is nothing that God doesn't know about you. There is nothing that God doesn't know about you. And I was thinking when we were talking about um, Carrie Way uh, dying um, I was thinking there's a lot of hurt and there's a lot of anger and there's a lot of sorrow and one of the best things that a pastor ever told me was you can tell God if you're mad at him he can handle it when I was growing up we didn't Church, uh, church was Catholic, number one, so uh, we weren't that regular at being there. And I'm not putting down Catholics. There are some great Christian Catholics, but our family wasn't. And uh, God was this big guy somewhere else that you were afraid of. And that's not who he wants to be in my life and certainly not who he wants to be in your life. And if you think that you're fooling him by not being real with him by not saying, Lord, I'm not happy about this. Lord, this hurts. Um, Lord, I'm angry. He already knows that stuff. He'd, he'd prefer that you be straightforward with him anyway. He'd prefer that you just be honest. So, Kim, good stuff. Thank you.
Amen. Anybody else have something that they would like to share? Bonnie's coming forward. Yes. This is going to be a tough one. Um, but I feel like I'm supposed to share it today. Maybe some of you have heard my story, my husband and my story, but um, I think some people need some hope today. Um, Michael, who some of you met a few weeks ago, and I have been married over 30 years, and most of it was full of abuse, alcohol, drugs. Um, I don't know why I stayed as long as I did, but when I got saved, I was in my mom's church in Assembly of God in Saginaw, and it was like four years into our marriage. And um, it was Easter Sunday a couple weeks after I got saved, and I was praying, singing with my arms raised, which I thought was really strange until you finally do it. And the Lord gave me this vision of my husband walking from the dark into the light. And I held on to that all those years, but it reached a point where I couldn't take another day. Um, there were many days I'd be off in a corner just crying to the Lord, wanting to get as far away as I could, and that was as far as I could get. But um, if any of you live in that kind of situation, you know what I'm talking about. You're sort of stuck, or at least you feel like you are. And um, after that many years, everything intensified as I got saved. Things got worse because we were polar opposites. And um, one morning I called my friend from church and told her I couldn't do it another day, and we were planning my escape. Um, she said, write it down, because she always yell at each other when you try to talk. So I was planning that out. It was a memorial weekend in 08, and my husband came home, was talking about having chest pains, and I said it was my fault, of course, because when he drove in the driveway, he knew he was going to be accused of things. And I just yelled at him and said, take responsibility for yourself, and thought he was faking it to get some attention. And um, so we avoided each other all day long. This was a Saturday. He was out waxing his car, and I was in the house planning. And um, I heard him come in at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, <clears throat> and he made a phone call, and I heard him say, I'm going to have to call you back. And I, I was in the next room. It's the only time all day long that we were anywhere near each other and other than when he came home. But I heard 200 pounds of dead weight hit the floor and this death animal gurgle sound. And I knew what happened. So I ran in the room and grabbed the telephone and called 911. And he was in this little space next to a desk. There was no room. And they were asking me questions like, is he breathing? And I said, barely. And um, his age, he was 60 at the time. And they tried to get me to do CPR. And within a few seconds of the phone call, I screamed, he stopped breathing. He's turning blue. He's dead. And um, there was this long pause on the phone like I hadn't even said anything. And my faith kicked in. And I screamed in the name of Jesus. I command the spirit of death to release you now. Come back in Jesus' name. And I got a little sound out of it. It was like this. And he was gone again. And um, 
ended up getting the 911 call later to see if what I remembered was the way it happened, and it wasn't. I remembered holding his head and screaming, breathe, and I'd get a sound, um, but not once, and I did it several times. I told people right afterwards, I never once did that or said that, um, but I called out to Jesus for eight to 10 minutes till I got there and kept commanding him to come back that um, he wasn't dying on me and to come back in Jesus' name. Uh, it's the longest 10 minutes of my life. Um, a few hours earlier, I wanted to be away from him forever, and now I couldn't imagine my life without him. So they got there, and um, they pushed me in the corner of the room, and they did CPR and on the paddles, and I was in the corner. This is the only time the spirit totally took over my body, and I just held out my arm, and I was praying in the spirit loud, and I heard someone scream, get her out of here. And they thought I'd gone crazy. So I went in the living room and dropped to the floor and started praying, and the Lord said, you need to call someone. So I called the friend that was helping me that morning to plan my escape. And she couldn't understand a word I said. So I called my sister, and they came over. But by then, they came out of the room and said, uh, we got a pulse, and we're taking him to the hospital. You have to get a ride. So my sister arrived with her husband, and we drove over to the hospital. My sister prayed the whole way, you will, you will live and not die, and declare the mighty works of the Lord. And that was about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and when we got to the hospital, he was in a state that the ER doctor told us later. He should have either been a complete vegetable or dead. Nothing in between. He'd never seen anybody come back from where he was. He had died. He came back. Uh, he should have been brain damaged. But we, my church family at that time, surrounded him when we finally could get to him. They did some stents in the heart, which the heart came back perfect but he was still in a coma, and we didn't know how much brain damage there was. So that night, my son had to drive up, crying probably the whole way. And was is not a believer yet, but it was calling to God that if he took his dad, he was never going to believe because he was finally getting close to him. And the next morning... I went in there, and there were other people there, and he was in ICU, and I went up to the head of his bed, and I said, Michael, in the name of Jesus, come back. Open your eyes. And his eyes flipped open, and he had this thing down his throat so he couldn't talk, but he looked. He didn't know where he was or what had happened. And by 4 o'clock that afternoon, which was 24 hours later, they took the tubes out, and he thought we were in a motel on our way back from Florida. And his mind was five-minute memory. We'd have the same conversation every five minutes. And then I'm thinking, how can I deal with this? Um, my son kept saying, that's dad. Believe in miracles. Here he is preaching to me. But um, after three days, they finally released us because there was nothing wrong with him except his brain. And they kind of gave me that look like good luck and took him home and the Lord kept telling me a week, a week, a week. So 
so somehow I made it through that week. I don't know how, by the grace of God. And um, a week later, I took him to a concert down in Boyne City. Several churches got together and did a concert down there. And I remember one of the songs about being raised from the dead. And uh, he seemed to make a switch that day. It's like things started coming back. And we went to church Sunday, and we all prayed over him. But Monday morning, he went back to work, figuring jobs. I drove with him just to make sure he could do it. But um, I guess the point of the story is it seems like when things seem the very darkest and you have zero hope or you feel like you do, there's a miracle just around the corner, but don't give up. Um, I, I think I had to reach the point of giving up to finally make things happen. There's so much more. I told him I wanted out a year or so prior. Um, there was a lot. But when he was in the hospital, he told some other people, he, he never shared this stuff with me, but he said he felt like there was a bungee cord pulling him back. And someone said, it's not your time yet. And the first night he was in the regular hospital room, I spent the night each night there. He had nightmares all night long. So I just reached my hand over and put it on his heart and pray in the spirit until he'd calm down. And the next morning he told my mom and sister that they were after me all night. They were after me. But Bonnie took care of him. So I'm standing this morning in the gap for unsaved spouses, unsaved children, friends, and we're just calling them home that they're not going to have to die and come back that your light is going to shine over each one of them, that your Holy Spirit is going to draw them. So we bind the enemy's hold over all our loved ones. And in the name of Jesus, we claim them for the kingdom of God. We praise you, Lord. We praise you that nothing is impossible for you. So we thank you. We thank you for everything that's happening in their lives. And we thank you for each and every one of them, even when they're not lovable. We know you love them, and just give us eyes to see them with your eyes of love. We praise you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Oh, sure. That is good. All the time. I want to share this morning. In our family, we have so much to be thankful for. And I don't often say it verbally in front of people. And I feel prompted to do that today. Um, I'll start with Zach. We saw him yesterday down at Ferris. And he's a red shirt freshman. And we went for a ball game. And he doesn't play. But we like to stay connected. And going back to your path that God has for you when you are living for him is amazing. And he shows us a little bit at a time and it builds our faith and we have to trust. And I go back to Zach in the fall of his senior year and he only had one school that wanted him to come play ball for them. And then he broke his foot. So when Ferris offered it to him, we were like, what do you do? Do you take it? Do you wait? There's all this 
conflict going on when you're in that situation. And Zach made the choice to stay, to go with Ferris. Then he broke his foot and did not get to play the rest of his high school year. And he's down there now, um, accepting the red shirt situation, but he's growing and he's gaining weight and he's doing weight training and he their team went 15 games undefeated now they did lose last night but he's very excited and very involved and i keep saying to him even if he does get frustrated god gave you that path we know that and he isn't frustrated anymore and last night after the game we took one of his best friends with us to dinner and I thought of it actually this morning when we got our meals, our family prays before we eat, even in restaurants. And his friend, I do not believe is from a Christian home. And as soon as we got our meals and everybody at their plate, Zach lifted up his hands for us to hold our hands and pray as a family in front of his friend. And he did that first. And I thought, he knows who we are. He knows what he believes. And he's not in a place that has a lot of Christians. And he's not finding a ton of them. But he still knows who he is, and he knows he's on God's path. And then I switched to Allison. And it's been a, it's, we've had three years that we've come a huge distance. In her second year at Grand Valley, everything about her is about reaching the lost. Every single thing that she does, her major, her internships, her goals, her social life, who she dates, everything that she does is about reaching the lost. She's going back and taking Spanish again because when she wants to be in missions, she doesn't even want a language barrier if that happens to be there. And I cannot praise God enough for what he's done with my kids when they have dedicated their life for him and the path then that he gives them one step at a time that's all we know and for Scott and myself now of course the kids are gone and last year Zach's um, senior year I was looking ahead already struggling with the fact that the kids wouldn't be home and what am I gonna do and what is what is there for us Scott decided that he was going to ref basketball. I think he's crazy, but he wanted to do that. And last fall, I was approached by the varsity volleyball coach to coach freshman girls volleyball. And I'm not one to want people to look at me. And when you're coaching your actions, you're kind of on stage. And I don't really care for that. But Scott said to me, Zach, he doesn't need you after school. He's a senior in high school, you know, and you do need something to do, and, and maybe this is a future for you. So I accepted coaching volleyball freshman level last year, and I really, really loved it. Uh, so he, I did that. He went on and he rocked basketball. Come to this fall, I'm coaching volleyball again. He says, I don't, I don't think I'll do volleyball refing. Well, he got called, and they're like, we're short volleyball refs. Do you think you can do that? And he was like, sure, sure, sure. So he went through his little training. So he added refing volleyball at the same time I'm coaching volleyball. 
towards the end of the season, the varsity basketball girls coach approached me and asked me to coach freshman girls basketball. And I thought, you're kidding me. Two seasons in a row, I'm not really up for this. I Basketball, even that coaching is a little bit more on stage than volleyball. And I, But for some reason, what happened was I had actually thought of it a week before she asked me. So then I knew the Lord was telling me, this is something you can do. So this year I'm coaching both. He's roughing both. And the reason I tell you that is because I love my girls. And those girls need to be told they're valuable. They need to be told they're important. They need to have somebody touch them and hug them. And as much as I want to give them, they give me more. And I've said oftentimes that it doesn't matter what kind of day I've had at work. When I get in the gym with the volleyball or my basketball team, and these are a bunch of 14-year-old girls-ish, my day is fine and my day is good. And they can give me as much as I can give them. And I without knowing how God gives you what you need, I needed to be doing this when my kids left and went to college. And I didn't know that. I knew I needed something, and I knew I was afraid of when my kids were both gone. But God already knew it, and he had people there to approach me to fill that need. And I have to share that that's what this is all about, is when you are giving your life to the Lord, he already knows the path. He already has it. He will open doors and shut doors so that you're going down the path, the best path he has for you to take care of you and what is best for you. But we have to open our lives to him, trust every step, and it truly, truly, it happens. That is our testimony over these last three years, that that's what he does for you. Amen. Thanks. Anybody else want to share anything right now?
Oh. 
sings my soul, my Savior God to Oh, God. 
and Chris home safely to us, Lord, and again we, we pray for strength and wisdom in the, this coming week as, as Mike um, helps his brother through this loss in their family. Father, we just lift away family to you again. Lord, you are good to us. You've blessed us. We thank you, Father. Help us, Lord, to continue serving you. We pray this in Jesus' matchless name. Amen. Thank you very much.